it was chaos. It was utter chaos. We landed in the airport. We were the first group, non-medical group in after the earthquake. And the airport was barely functional. And we were going through customs, which was chaos. And our luggage was basically dumped in a big pile in the middle of the room with everybody else's on the plane. And They told us to just press through, get to the bus. And so it was really difficult. Just the first exposure. Coming in from the air, like any airport, you can see um, the runway, basically, and the ground. But once we got into the airport, you saw the people. Yeah. That was really the hard part. Um, there were a lot of desperate people in, in the airport trying to see if you needed help with your bags, you know, try and get some money. There were people, children, um, missing limbs um, on crutches as you were trying to get on the bus. It was, it was utter chaos. So when the ground was shifted and the earthquake happened, there's a lot of destruction above ground. But one of the benefits of that was a, uh, a new well, and it was right on the front uh, doorstep, basically, of Mission of Hope. So where the wall is in the front to the street, uh, we went down and we're working with cinder blocks to reconstruct that so we could use the water within the compound but also share it with the rest of the community. We drove by the mass grave, and you're just stopping to pause there trying to get your head around this mass grave holding 200 plus thousand people in this one area and it, it just it, it it's incomprehensible um, how many people were lost and you know the children the light was still in the children's eyes they wanted to play they wanted to be kids they they would laugh and play with us and um, you know kick soccer balls and you know whatever just make-believe but as you looked at the kids, the older they got, you could see the light in their eyes kind of dimming. I felt like that I was on a slave plantation without a slave master. That was my experience of it. Um, you know, just to see my people just live like that, it just took me back to, remember the movie Roots? That's what it took me back to. My very first trip, I slept in a tent, but now they have these beautiful guest house that house up to 200 people with air conditioning and all the nice things. So even the accommodations that they've had for people coming down has been like a transformation. But I truly believe that's been a transformation from the partnerships of all these churches that have invested in Mission of Hope because they believe in the efforts that they're doing in Haiti. Kind of fun to be able to see the latrines we've built or um, the basketball courts or the um, giant canal we helped, you know, make for clean water. Um, so seeing those changes and then to watch them being used um, was really cool. Um, but then also what Mission of Hope does as an organization and just watching them expand and build their organization to actually meet their mission. But it sounds like even the inflation of money has just gone up and it's hard for people to even afford food while they're still trying to afford housing or sending their kids to school. Schools have closed. I heard some churches have even been closing to um, 
prevent people from even leaving their houses because it's not safe to travel. So it all, it all goes back to how do people even get what they need. So if you can't leave your house to get food, that's bad. But if you also don't have the money to get the food, like where is that cycle starting from? And where do we have to go to to fix it? I'm not there to change their world. I'm just there to help them. So I don't expect to actually go there and, you know, it's out of my head that we're just gonna work nonstop and, and try to change everything in one week. You're, you're not gonna get that. I thought that I was gonna go on this trip way back nine years ago and impact the world and save Haiti and all these different things, but really God saved my life through that trip. So I know that I've, I've seen life transformation in those people as well, but the only life transformation that I'm sure of even still to this day is what's been happening in my life way from nine years ago. They have hope, they got a lot of faith. They have a lot of faith. And they happy. They happy. They would give you what little they have to help, you know, their neighbor. Um, they just live passionately and love Jesus. And even when you talk to them, like, they'll say that, you know, like, yeah, I don't have enough food or, you know, we just don't have enough clean water, but the Lord will provide us with it. But the Lord will provide us with it. He just reminded me on that bus ride to Mission of Hope is that his plan for Haiti is not my plan for Haiti or our church's plan for Haiti or Mission of Hope's plan for Haiti. I just still have that reminder of God's timing is better than my timing for any of that. Friends, I want to welcome up Otis Garrison now to come join me up here. Uh, Otis is going to be sharing uh, the word with us today and some stories. Otis has been with Mission of Hope uh, for over 20 years, and he's currently the vice president of Mission of Hope, Team Hope, and uh, has a, a lot of experience, and we've had a great time partnering with him. And uh, I'm going to let him share that. But before we do that, I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer uh, as Otis shares today. Heavenly Father, uh, we are so grateful to you for the way in which you meet all of our needs through your riches and glory. And uh, Lord, as you use us as a community of faith here and a community of grace to pour out that grace uh, to others and share that in Haiti, Lord, I, I thank you for servants like Otis who have devoted their lives to, uh, to meeting those needs, to seeing your vision become reality in those places, Lord. Uh, uh, would you continue to bless him as he shares today? Would you fill him with your spirit? Give him your words and uh, help us to be open to receive what it is that he shares with us today. Uh, bless him and keep him, Jesus. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Would Amen. you please welcome Otis Garrison? Amen. Thank you, uh, Pastor Darren, again, for allowing uh, me to be here this weekend. Wow, what a, what a great video. Uh, First service, I couldn't watch it. I was able to watch it a little bit, but my mind went back to that, that earthquake time frame, and uh, that might have been by the craziest time of my life. I know it was the craziest time of Haiti and Mission of Hope, and it was, it was, uh, it was amazing. I remember the first time... <laughs> it's crazy how thoughts come in. Sorry. Like, First time I got word that we, there was an earthquake in, in Haiti, um, I was painting my mother-in-law's kitchen. I told her, I'll never paint anything for you again. Was earth <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <It> was <laughs> Sorry. 
You got to laugh, right? <laughs> I'm glad you got it. You love your mother-in-law? Like, absolutely, that's good. But I just want to say thank you. It's an honor truly to be here. Um, going clear back to probably the, was the, really the first that we were involved in uh, Mission of Hope Sunday here at uh, Community Grace and First Lutheran back then. It was uh, Claude L. Uh, I don't know how many of you remember Claude L. The, the Haitian worship pastor was with me. If you heard him, he had impact on your life. Uh, you know, he sang, I shared, and it, it was just a great time. And so anyway, he is, um, he's a worship pastor at a great church in, in Oklahoma. And his family, they're growing up, they're doing well. And so just amazing. Um, but I just want to thank you for the five weeks of focus on, on the Team Hope initiative and raising funds for uh, the, the people in Haiti, the kids, especially students, and uh, kind of why Team Hope. You, I told the early service that you guys probably know more about Team Hope than I do because you've been hearing a lot about it. But it's a, it's a great program that we felt that was necessary to put together because of the food crisis in Haiti the inflation that happened, all the, all the crazy things that, that took place. And I'm, I'm not going to take time to talk about the political issues and all of that. But Team Hope is already making a significant difference. And we're going to talk a, a little bit about that in a couple of stories that we share here a little bit later. Uh, but just to let you know, Haiti's doing fairly well right now. Schools started back. Churches are back open. Uh, people are traveling and moving around. It's having an issue here or there, but nothing like it had been over the last several months. Um, my, uh, my daughter and her husband and two babies, they live in Haiti. And so they're back. They went back in, in January. And, uh, so I'm very well invested in, in mission of hope overall. So they work full time. Both of them work for the mission. And, uh, then my son, who is one of our new vice presidents, he has also been working for mission of hope for a long time. And, and so we're all kind of messed up in this whole mission of hope thing. And it all started with Haiti. And now we're uh, we're in the Dominican Republic. We're in Guatemala. We're working in, in the Bahamas to do a relief effort from the hurricane. And, and so just a lot, of, a lot of good things happening. But we will never lose Haiti as the place where it all begun. And we're going to continue to stay very engaged, very involved in Haiti. And I'm just excited. I'm reminded of just this morning, of because I just saw a, a post from him, a message from him, uh, that reminded me of that, but I just uh, reminded of Pastor Serrano, who is actually a pastor in Susmatla, the village that you as a church are partnered with. Many of you have been to Haiti, you've been there, and he pastors a, a nice little church where I just spoke for him a few months ago, and how often he would come to me and to a couple of the other leaders at Mission of Hope and say, look, I've got people that constantly come to me. They're hungry, they need food, and, and how, can, how can you help? And and at the beginning, at that time, it's like, well, man, there's nothing. We just don't do that. We give food to schools and orphanages, but we've really never just gone out and given food to, to the local churches all, very often. We did some. But just a few months ago, we started doing that, and Pastor Serrano has received food, food from the mission. And so with the whole Team Hope initiative, now we've handed a lot of, of food out to local churches so that they could take care of their people. And, and only if you've been in that place as a pastor, we talked about it a little bit last night, the moment when people come to you and you feel totally helpless, there's nothing you can do. And I, my heart goes out to those guys as they now, in a lot of cases, are able to help their people in their churches. And so it's been fun. Team Hope has been amazing. It's continuing to grow. 
the $10 a month that's, that feeds a, a child for a month, $40 a month feeds a family of six. Now, I need to really do the math on that. It's actually 5.8, but we just call it a family of six, all right, for a month. And um, also was mentioned a sponsorship program. That's $35 a month. And to let you know that the, the sponsored schools, the schools where we have a sponsorship program, the traditional program, those schools get food. They always have. And what's happened is, is the, the sponsorship program is a challenging program now that we have schools all across the country to, to really grow it. So we went to Team Hope because the need on the table, no pun intended, is food, all right? Not just the uniforms and the books, but the food. And so we needed a, a way to quickly get food to them. And so to be able to add the 80,000 students, and really even more than that, there's many more names out there, but the 80,000 students, I mean, that's, that's the goal, and that's already beginning to happen, and, uh, and we'll talk a little more about it. Let me give you some quick uh, report of 2019 of Mission of Hope. Uh, of course, we're an organization serving Jesus Christ to bring life transformation to every man, woman, and child, now not only in Haiti, but the other countries as well. But we have four focuses that, that we really focus on education. Uh, this, in 2019, we impacted 62,000 plus 62,000 students uh, all across the nation of Haiti, the economy. We have over 800 employees now within the Mission of Hope system. Uh, just this year, or 2019, we added 270 new farmers into the ag program and have trained 30 new business owners within the, the economy part of what we do. People, we've, uh, we've been able to help 149,000 people within our medical program all across the country. Now we have two clinics, and one's actually pretty much a hospital with the Baptist Haiti Mission. We've built over 1,300 homes, and we're still feeding 100-plus thousand meals a day all across the country, and so affecting people in so many ways. And then churches, uh, we work through the local church. We're training pastors, two to 300 pastors coming every month to be trained and ministered to. We have affected or been in, involved with 750 plus churches overall over the past year. And we've seen over 500 people come to Christ. And that's without North American teams coming in because they, those teams many times have direct impact. On, on lives coming to Christ and, and those trips that they do. But it's because of churches like you that we're able to do and keep doing uh, what God has called us to do. And so I just want to say again, thank you from the bottom of my heart, from Brad and Vanessa, Brad, who's been here uh, several years in a row and has spoken to you, thank you. I mean, they're, they're running hard. He's at Liberty University this week doing a, a big meal pack event, 250000 Mill pack event with Liberty University. And so God's honoring our dream and our goal to do uh, what we need to do to bring the food and help with the food crisis in Haiti. Well, as I was praying about what, God, what do you want me to share over and above Mission of Hope stuff, I, I felt really compelled to, to one word, and uh, that word is be disciplined. It's like, oh, great, we're going to talk about discipline, right? Um, you know, I just realized as I look back on the email, as I as this, just felt compelled with this word that you just come off of a series of spiritual bodybuilding. And uh, is that right? Is that how it's called? Spiritual bodybuilding. 
And then it's pre-Lent season. And so as we move into that time of how many of us know that we, we need discipline to be strong. Now, because of your prayer, and there's so many pieces of, of this message that I'd love to just take time to share, but I don't want to create guilt because as I talked about this and as I was developing, I realized there's a lot of areas that I struggle. I have to really work at this discipline thing in all areas of my life, and many of you do as well. So none of us are perfect. So I don't want to create guilt because understand, going back to the prayer, there is grace, right? Thank God for that. And you can pray that prayer again. It was a great prayer. <laughs> but some here today, you may really need this. You, need, you may really need to hear about discipline. Some may not need it at all because you're very disciplined in everything you do. But all of us need to be reminded how important it is in our life. See, discipline is key to our Christian walk. It's key to our call. It's key to missions. It's key to ministry. It's key to the church. It's key to mission of hope. I mean, we have to stay crazy disciplined to stay focused and disciplined to the call to the vision that God has placed in our hearts, the, the vision that God gave Brad and Manessa many, many years ago, 21 years ago to be exact. For community of grace, you have to be disciplined to the vision and to the call and the purpose for this community and for the world as you get involved in, in the ministries that you're connected to. But for you and I to fulfill the call on, that God has on our lives to keep us walking in the direction that God wants, it takes discipline. A passage of scripture that, that just really came to mind, and I'm going to share it. We're not going to talk a lot about it, but in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, he says, and I think it's up there, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should, Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might be disqualified. See, discipline is what keeps us going when we just don't want to go any further, when we're tired and worn out or whatever the case may be. As Paul is illustrating with the athlete, most athletes are training for game day. That's, that's why they're training. Now, there's a lot of athletes that, that play professional sports or whatever, or maybe in college or even high school, they were very disciplined until the game day's gone, all right? And then, and then they're not as disciplined because they were really doing it for that purpose of game day. And maybe the question is, what is our game day? But I think a better question for us to think about is, what about when it's not game day, when it's just another day and no one is watching? See, it's easy most of the time, I think for us to at least put on a front of some kind of discipline, and I'm speaking to Otis now, okay, not, not you, so you just listen as I preach to me for right now, but it's easy for us to put on a front so many times of this disciplined life that I want to think that I have, and I, there are times I do well, other times that I may struggle or whatever, but what, a, and, and when it's game day, it's time to step up and you do your thing and you, and you feel like you're ready to roll, but again, what about those moments when no one is watching? I've been with Mission of Hope, as Pastor Darren said, for 20 years. And there have been so many times I have asked the question, are we really making a different difference? Are we really seeing the life transformation 
that, that we talk about? And, and of course, I think the, question, the answer to that is yes, most of the time, but I still think, okay, are we really doing it? Is, is being gone 20 plus days of every month worth it over the last 16 years? There are times that I want to give up. It's in those moments I need discipline. It's in those moments that you as individuals, as Christians here in this room, you need discipline. And it's a discipline that helps keep us taking the next step. I told the early service, it was discipline for me to come to get on an airplane and come to Minnesota in February. Okay, I was just in, in the DR. Okay, it was really nice, all right, and warm. And Oklahoma is not quiet, and that's where I live, is not near as cold. But thank you, because God was good yesterday and today. Amen? And so thank you for the warmth and for the sun, sunshine. But then I think about the the pressing eyes, think about doing all of this work and running hard. And then I hear reports like what happened two or three weeks ago, a school in the Turpin area. And some of you that have been on a trip to Haiti, you've been to the Turpin area, but that school has been on the list for food, asking for food since 2012. Because of Team Hope and churches like Community of Grace, that school now is receiving food. You're seeing pictures on the screen. 319 students, $30,000 takes care of that. Amen? Amen? Give yourself a hand. I didn't even put that number to you. We didn't, the early service didn't get that one. That was, that was new. But 319 students, they're receiving food. Children that maybe, they don't even know where their next meal's coming from. But now because they attend this school, they're getting food for lunch. And, and that's because of people like you. So it's stories like that that helps me stay disciplined and focused to the call and the purpose. And so thank God for those moments that God brings these back to us. Well, let's look at three things quickly about discipline. First of all, discipline, number one, is about choices. Simply to do the right thing, the difficult thing, to make the right choices. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should, choices. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might be disqualified. There's another passage, and I don't have it up there, but Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 gives three key choices. And this, this is a great passage. It's one of my favorite passages of the scripture. But in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, three key choices one, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Number two, run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And number three, and it's the key, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In all that we do, we can talk about discipline all day long, and there's still people that are very disciplined, even though they are not believers. But as believers, if we can stay tight in our discipline and keep our eyes focused on Jesus, who the Bible says is the author and perfecter of our faith, we're going to see God do amazing things in and around our lives, and we can affect, truly affect the world that we live in. See, in Haiti, there are many needs. And it would be easy for us to just focus on the relief effort, to just be there to fix the problem. I remember the first time I went to Haiti back in 1999. I, there was 11 of us from, from Oklahoma. We came in as pastors. 
And when I got to that country, I thought, Pastor, I can fix this. I, I, I can take care. If they'll just do what I ask or what I say. And last night in a dinner, there were two or three others that said, yeah, they kind of felt the same way because when they first went there, that we can, we can help this country. But we soon found out, all of us, that it's just not quite that simple. But we could focus on trying to fix the problem. But through discipline and making the right choices, we stayed with the plan that Brad and Vanessa they that had from the very beginning, and that, that is to raise up Haitians to lead and do the ministry. And I think one of the reasons why Mission of Hope has been successful over the years is not because, I mean, Brad and Vanessa are amazing people. It's not just because of them. It's not because of me. It's not because of the team, but it's because we've allowed Haitians to do the work that, that God has called all of us to do together, and they are leading. And again, as I mentioned earlier, 800-plus Haitians that we have employed that's doing an amazing job in the country of Haiti. But we've stayed tight in that, in that goal, in that dream of allowing Haitians to grow up. And just last week or so, there was another initiative that happened, a Team Hope initiative. Mission of Hope had a big event at Levesque. How many of you remember Levesque? It's the housing program that we, we had initially had planned to do 500 homes uh, there. But it was through the ministry of Mission of Hope and the church and our Haitian staff that they were able to go in and distribute food, 30 pairs of goats, 15 solar lights, and 40 Bibles to 150 families that were affected that one Saturday at Levesque. Haitian doing the ministry. Sure, we've had issues. The, the country's had issues. But because we stayed focused and disciplined to the plan of allowing Haitians to rise up and be everything that God intended them to be, it's been amazing to see how they have continued the work, even though North Americans have had to pull out. So we have to lay aside anything that would hinder us and keep us from doing what God has called us to do. We have to run with perseverance and we have to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The second thing about discipline is discipline is about pressing on. 1 Corinthians 9, 26, so I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. Philippians 3, 12 through 14, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already preached, reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection which, for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us to press on. Again, it could go back to choices. We choose to press on. We choose to move forward. One of the stories that I love to share, and it goes back to the Levesque project of building the 500 homes. We, right after the earthquake, we felt very compelled that we needed to build homes. There was 1.3 million Haitians that had been displaced out of the Port-au-Prince area out to the outer edges of Port-au-Prince, and many of them came our direction, and they were in these little blue tents and living in whatever they could find. And, and, and so we felt, okay, we need to do something. And we didn't build homes. We'd built three or four over time. But 
we felt God directing us to build 500 homes. We took a proposal to the government. They gave us 100 acres of land. And, and so we had no money in a budget to build homes. But yet, we just felt like it was right. So at that time, Brad and I were pretty much the, the, the executive team of, of Mission of Hope, and we just stayed focused on that plan. We kept persevering and persevering. We prepared the land, and we finally built the first house, $5,000 to build one home. We, had, we didn't even have that $5,000, and we had no clue how we were going to build house number two, and we've already told people we're going to build 500. I mean, it was truly a statement of faith. And then one day... Claudel, who I mentioned earlier, is he and I went to a, in Burnett, Texas, to a home on a Sunday night, just a small house. There are 20, 30 people there, and I'm going to share about Mission of Hope, and Claudel's going to play on the keyboard, and we're going to have cake and ice cream. And that was probably the best part of the evening up until I got a, a call later from that meeting. But it's standing in the back as I was sharing, I noticed a guy that was somewhat emotional because as we were sharing stories, and he just stood there. He never really said much. As, as we finished, and I'm walking into the dining area, he came to me and said, look, I can't talk right now, but I'll be in touch. And so, of course, I had shared about the, the Levesque project. Two weeks later, he called up and said, I'm going to take care of 200 homes. <laughs> $5,000 times 200. That's a pretty significant amount of money. And so that really put that project. But the key was we stayed tight. We stayed focused, persevered in the plan that we feel like that God had given us. And as we took the steps of faith, God began to provide. And then now today we have 615 homes instead of 500. We had to change the name of it. Um, we couldn't even call it what it was, Home 500, Mission of Hope 500. And so it's just amazing to see what God is doing. But speaking of perseverance, we have persevered with our vision statement to bring life transformation to every man, woman, and child. And in the early day, we just simply said, reach Haiti for Christ. There have been times when I would think, is that even possible to reach Haiti for Christ? Then we started doing pastor training and the last Wednesday of every month, and before long, there were 300 pastors coming every Wednesday or every month, and we began to work through the local churches, and I thought, God, yes, maybe this actually is possible, but then I would still have those questions, but there's 10 million people in this country, and then in 2009, we started a Haiti One Pro program, and begin to partner with schools all across the country, 400 plus partners of orphanages and schools that we partnered with. And I thought, wow, God, maybe it really is possible. And yet, but I would come back and thank God, but every person, every man, woman, and child, can we really do that? And then two years ago, and Brad probably shared this last year when he was here, but we were handed through much prayer, the oldest and longest standing mission organization in Haiti. Baptist Haiti Mission, a mission that had been there for 70 years, has 350 churches, over 300 schools all across the country in every corner of Haiti. And all of a sudden, this every man, woman, and child is beginning to make sense as we have focused on reaching every person one at a time that we can for the gospel of Christ. The discipline is about pressing on. 
The third thing is discipline is about commitment. Proverbs 16 and 3, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. We can spend a lot of time talking about commitment. It's a, it's a major key to being disciplined. But there's no substitute for commitment. It is what drives us to do our best. It pushes us beyond our limits. Without commitment, we will stop when the going gets tough. Without commitment, we will let up when no one is watching. Without commitment, we'll quit when we are challenged. But I want to share a story about commitment. A man named Pastor Lukeman in St. Michelle, Haiti, we had purchased a a piece of farmland in that area. It's about 100 acres of farmland and still have some really exciting plans once we are able to get back into Haiti and begin to move that plan down the road. But Pastor Lukeman had heard that we had the property and he had people coming to him asking him to start a church and he felt led to do so. So they started with a Bible study of about 30 to 40 people. And uh, then he got a hold of our leaders at the mission and asked them if it'd be okay if they could begin to meet and put something together on the property. And I think we have a pic right here. This is, this is their first church that they built. And a few months later, I was at, able to go and, and speak and share and, and, and enjoy the, just being with them. It was pretty amazing. At that time, they had 200 people in this facility right here. I mean, the church, and this was just a few months as the church was really beginning to grow. And I'm telling you, they were packed in every corner. There were also people all around the outside, and there were some ladies over here cooking because they're going to feed us lunch. And then, so as I walked in, and they were all in there waiting on us, as I walked in, and it was time for me to speak, when I stood up, my head stuck up in the banana leaves of the ceiling, so it wasn't very tall. So I had to sit down on a chair just to share. It was a little distracting. And so we finished the service. We walk out, and one of the Haitian leaders that was with me, he said, man, we've got to do something to help this church. And and one of the other guys said, hey, we have a hoop barn, and you're going to see the picture of a hoop barn, but we have a hoop barn that we're not even using. Maybe we can do that. And went to back to and talked to the leadership, and, and we all decided, yes, let's give them the hoop barn. We needed about $10,000 to take the hoop barn, build a new concrete pad, and, and build the, put the hoop barn on it. And so money came in. Uh, our construction, Haitian construction crew, went up to St. Michelle, And they began to put the hoop barn up. And as they were working on the hoop barn, there was a voodoo priest came out of the village. And St. Michelle is a strong voodoo connected village. But a voodoo priest came out of the village and began to tell the pastor, look, you've got to stop this church. By this time, that church is running over 500 people. And you've got to stop this church. And he said, no, God's called me to do this. I'm not going to stop it no matter what. He said, if you don't stop the church, we're going to kill you. And he said, well, you're going to have to do what you're going to do. But God called me to build this church, and we're keeping this church. And, um, and he said, but I'm going to pray for you that you'll come to Christ. And the voodoo priest left angry. I mean, our guys, when they were explaining and sharing this story with me, they said he was unbelievably angry. And about three hours later, that same day, he came back, not with a gun, not with other people, He came back and gave his heart to Christ. That's commitment. Almost made it through. (laughs) 
told the guy, I started crying right off in the first service, so I was like, <laughs> I don't know if Minnesota guys cry, but this one does. I'm from Oklahoma, though, hey, so. I just, every time I share that story and every time I see Pastor Lukeman and, and we were supposed to go up and have a pastor training up there, I mean, there's, and those things are going to happen, but I'm like, wow, God, give me that kind of commitment. I don't know what I would do if my life was threatened. I mean, I read the stories, and I, I know we read stories in the Bible, and Jesus gave his life for us, right? I don't know. I don't know. I would want to think, but do I have that kind of commitment just to share Christ with my neighbor, with Christ, share Christ with those that I come in, to live that life that God's called me to be and do, and the same for you. So I want to challenge you and thank God that he gives us what we need if we say disciplined and committed to do the work that he's called us. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for your love. Thank you, God, for all that you've done through this church to bless so many people in Haiti and through Mission of Hope. God, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.